We have our scripture reading now, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. It was about the time King Herod arrested some of them, some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for, out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter, kept, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and centuries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up. Quick, get up, he said. The chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them, to, it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know, without a doubt, that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back into the opening without opening it and explained, Peter is at the door. Thank you, Robin. We've been looking at prayer as the main topic of the sermons since the beginning of August. Today we'll wrap up kind of that little sermon series and we will look at some new things in the next few weeks. But thinking about the special Pray Me Home and its songs we've sang over the last few weeks and the messages and scripture passages Are we even brave enough to even ask someone that question? Are we even ready as a church or as an individual for someone to come to us with that deep sense of internal struggle or whatever the challenge may be, wrestling with life, wrestling for what's my existence, wrestling with who am I, wrestling with... Why do people go to hell? Wrestling with why is the world in such an awful condition? 
wrestling with why would God say no or take it slow or grow. In our passage today, we find that James, James is killed by the sword. Peter is set free. What a mystery. How is that decision made that one would be killed by the sword, one would be set free? Why now? Why then? So many questions for the human mind and for the heart to wrestle with. So much for the church to deal with in this day and age. Why was was it time for James to die and for Peter, for the chains to cut loose and break loose and for him to escape the prison? Why is praying so hard for some? Why is trusting the Lord's outcome so hard for all of us? And reading this here, Herod, this is Herod Agrippa, the first, this is the king who had James killed. He is the nephew of Herod who murdered James the Baptist. He is the Herod that is the grandson to the Herod who had all the boys of Bethlehem put to death in search of the baby Jesus. King Herod the Great, he is the one that made the order to kill the baby boys and trying to kill Jesus. Herod of Antipas is the one that killed John the Baptist. And he was the son of Herod the Great. And now this Herod. Doggone it, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Can you imagine having that type of family history and a family tree? Well, we all got plenty of rotten stuff in our family trees, don't we? And we don't even have to get past our own little branch where, our, where us, our apple hooks to the tree, that little stem, because it's right within our own hearts and our own lives. As James was put to death, He just wasn't put to death. He was put to death by the sword, which meant his head was cut off. He was beheaded, becoming headless. The head disconnected from the body. And James is the first apostle of the original twelve to be put to death for doing ministry, for doing the Lord's work, for proclaiming the gospel. He got to be first. Why him? Why not someone else? What, may, what, what was it called upon his day? I'm sure he was praying. Lord, is my time up? Lord, I am arrested. I'm in chains. I'm, I'm at the mercy of those who are evil and wicked and in control. Peter, he's then arrested. Fortunate for him, it was during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread better known as the Passover. And lucky for him, at that time frame, one of the laws of the land was no person could be sentenced during 
the Passover or this feast of the unleavened bread. So Peter had a little time on his favor. He had a little delay in the execution. But in that delay, Scripture tells us, the church was praying earnestly. They hadn't forgot about him. They weren't turning a blind eye to the situation. They wasn't bailing on him. They was praying for Peter earnestly. Whatever the outcome was going to be, they, 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 they didn't give up praying. So as the church prayed earnestly the night before the execution was to come, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord woke Peter, woke him up that night before he was to be killed. The chains fall off, the prison doors open, and he says, go. And it was such a, a surreal moment. Peter's thinking, am I dreaming? Am I a dream? Is this real? Am I really walking out of this jail and nobody's trying to stop me? Was Peter more important than James? Was Peter's life more valuable than James? Why was Peter's life spared? Why was James' life taken? As human beings and as men and women, as young people, we learn the hard way. We learn by experience. Generations before us, they learn all types of things. They try to tell us words of encouragement, experience. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stay away from these things. Don't, don't, don't. But yet, what happens? What do our children do? They've got to try it out for themselves. They've got to go see. We've got to touch that hot stove. Will it burn me for real? I gotta just turn on the hot water, see how hot does it get before I say ouch. And the list goes on. We learn by the hard way. Scripture reminded us of that last week. Remember Isaiah, the prophet, what did he say? We cannot understand God's thoughts. Our thoughts are not like God's thoughts. They're totally so different because we are not God. We will never ever be God. We'd never be one with God in a way that we know that all that God knows. Our thoughts and God's thoughts are never the same until we become one in the Spirit through Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're on this side of heaven this place called Earth. And we are in a challenging position. It's more than just a, being between a rock and a hard place. We're in a world that is after us, after anything that is good, anything that is of God. And because we're in this position and because we are not God. We're going to wonder why some are healed. Some people would never get a break. One person's life may be spared, but the rest in the car, all were taken. 
Why is one school have the shooters and another doesn't? Why does one community have such high drug addiction and another has less? We must trust and believe God is good and God is wise. And when we trust God's wise plan, it is only then we can begin to face tomorrow. Billy Graham said it like this, and I quote, God values our trust in Him above every other character quality. And how do we develop that trust? By spending time with God, God's presence, through prayer, through worship, and reading His Word. End quote. That's what Billy Graham said. God values our trust in Him above every other character quality. Every day around the world, Christian followers come to the realization that godly people are stricken with deadly diseases. They pass away. Some quickly, some linger. Some suffer for years and years. There are praying parents that have always gone to their grave without seeing their wayward children return. There will still be parents that go to their grave before they see their wayward children return to the Lord and His Word and accept Him as Savior. There's always been the righteous that suffer and the innocent perish. Tragedies afflict believers and non-believers alike. So again, we are reminded we need to be in prayer and we need to pray for one another. Nobody has it all together. Most of us are a fixed up, cleaned up mess. They put on a pretty good show now and then. But God sees to the heart of everything. But even though parents go to the grave and never see their children come to Christ, even though the righteous suffer and the innocent perish, believers and non-believers are afflicted over and over and non-stop. Does that mean that we give up on God? Does that mean that we move on and we go without God? Does that mean that we disqualify ourselves thinking, oh, God said no, let's throw up our hands. He told me to grow up, but I don't want to do that either. He said, told me to slow down, but I'm not slowing down. I do it my way and in my time. Is that how we act? Do we give up on God? Do we throw in the towel? No, I don't think so. That's when we get back to trusting God more. God wants to see if we're going to hold the, hold the line. God wants to see if you're going to tow the line. Did you hear the words of that song? Pray me home. And through those other words how it's talked about that intimate need for pray me home, pray me up. Pastor, would you pray for this? Pastor, would you pray for that? 
church, continue to pray. And you don't even need all the details, but to know that there's families with brokenness and challenges and health issues happening right now. Happening right now. And they just need us to pray. Children of God, let me tell you, despite the victory that God achieved over Satan at Calvary, through Jesus' ministry, through his resurrection, not everything in this world is submitted to God. Not everything in this world has been submitted to God. And why is that? Why is that? But what are we? One world full of a bunch of people that are worldly and selfish. The enemy, Satan, he's still active. He's the prince of this world. Scripture tells us that. But for the good news is, his time's running out. Satan's years are coming to an end. He is running out of time because we are the Easter people. Jesus has the final say. We have a God that has the final say over everything, even everything in your life. Even if he's saying, slow down, or he's saying, not now, or he's saying, let's grow some more. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Doesn't mean we're going to get everything on our wish list, not going to get everything on the want list. But we have Christ. We have a Savior who's preparing a better place for us. And it's not of this world. And we have this assurance that even when our prayers are unanswered in the way that we want them answered, there'll come a day when things will be revealed maybe not in this lifetime, but the next. A spectacular vindication found in eternity. So when God says not yet, yes, we feel bad, just as if God had said no. We like to get our things quick. We live in a quick society, everything from express lanes to movies on demand, high-speed internet, and the etc., etc., etc. But God will never be intimidated by our childish demands. God's delays are not denials. God wants us to toe the line. He wants us to trust. He wants us to grow. He wants us to remain steady and true because He is steadfast. He is worthy. He does not change. He is always there. God is not going to be some vending machine that we can put a little change in and get something out. He's not going to be a vending machine that we go up, we break the window out and take what we want. He's not going to be a vending machine that we can kick or hook the truck to and pull it down this road until it breaks and we get everything out of it that we want. He's not going to be that type of God. But think about what can come out of the delay. 
What can come from a delay? Development of qualities like endurance and trust, patience and submission. Spiritual gain can come through pain, hurt, struggle, confusion, and even disappointment. Spiritual gain can come. Spiritual understanding comes when we remain in the Lord, even when there's a delay, when it seems like he's delaying too long. Don't cut out. Do not bail out. Do not abandon the Lord and do not abandon your faith community. Because God knows more than we do. Go back and read Isaiah again from last week. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. But think about what can happen if we would grow. If we'd embrace this time of growing. If we could keep our humanness to a minimum and not allow it to become that barrier between ourselves and God. What's needed for growth? A lot of times it's an attitude change. We've got to decide, I, I, I want to grow. I want to learn something. I want to do better. So there's an attitude change. It's the same if you're in school, if you're on the job site, you're in the church, you're on any team. The attitude has to be right. There's got to be some turning from sin. We turn from sin, that's first one, one step in growth. That's another step in growing. Growth gives us this time and space to soften, to soften in the spirit, to soften oneself, and to be honest. To be honest and say, you're right, Lord. It's not all about me. It's not about me getting my way all the time. It's not about me having everything. It's not even about me looking like I have it all together all the time. What soften do? Meaning we become humble. We humble. We become more humble. And also just as a ship needs a sailor, a sailor heads, heads the ship in the direction that it needs to go, we are the only ones, you are the only one that can embrace any relationship. You can embrace the relationship or you can throw it away. You can neglect the relationship or you can embrace it. You can make the relationship better or you can end it. So we need time of growth in our all our relationships. Why? Because there's only one place they all should be headed. And it's not for selfish gain or show, but it's headed towards the Lord. All our relationships should be working together, headed towards the Lord in a holy relationship and unity of the Spirit. So whatever God is saying to you today, whatever he's saying to your prayers that you've been praying, maybe those of today, those of last year, those for a lifetime, 
Whatever he's saying, if he's saying no, he's saying slow, he's saying grow, remember, through it all, God is reliable and God is trustworthy. God is on your side. He's on our side. He's given his son, Jesus, to be our Lord and Savior. He wants the best for you. And he wants the best for you that he's willing to change whatever you say is impossible to the possible. God wants to make it possible. God wants to touch those spots in your life that you have said are untouchable. God's going to make them touchable. Those mountains that you say are in your life that are not going anywhere, they've always been there, God's going to move those mountains that you have said are immovable. That's the type of God that we have. Amen? That's a mighty good God, isn't it? That's an awesome God. And God will do what God wants to do because He is God and He wants to do things that benefit you and that are the best for you, the best for this church, the best for your family. That's the type of God that we have. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for being you. Continue to help us understand that greatness, how you are going to take the impossible and make them possible for us, how you're going to take the untouchable things that we try to hold back from you, and you're going to touch them, and you're going to change them, and you're going to bring them forth for your glory and your kingdom. And Lord, whatever those mountains are that we have made firm in our life and that we think in our mind and our heart that are immovable, Lord Jesus, Father God, go to work and start moving those mountains so that we can move closer to Thee in our spiritual walk, in our physical and spiritual lives so that we can share the gospel message of Jesus Christ to this community and beyond. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers, and I pray for your will to be done now and forever. Amen.